Father, we come into your presence tonight singing hallelujah, Jesus. Nobody's greater than you. No one can do what you do, God. God, we're calling on you, our God, our Savior Jesus, your Spirit, Lord, to come into our lives tonight and be amongst us and be present with us, Lord Jesus. Lord, we want to worship you. We've been just singing your praises, God. Our hearts are open, God. Now we're going to dig in your word, Lord, and I just pray that you're going to speak truth to us, God, because we need it. Oh, we need truth, God. In your name we pray. thank Courtney for leading worship. So gifted. Such a blessing. Thank you, Courtney. You know, we have a team of people working uh, behind the scenes on this study that you'll probably never see that have been pouring out their hearts in prayer and effort. And so God God has been putting together a team to serve here tonight, and, and we're just thankful. We're thankful for every hand that's had a part in this. You know, uh, I want to encourage you, if you brought a Bible with you, and I hope you did, to open it up to Deuteronomy chapter 10. That's where we are going to be tonight. And as you're turning there, and I'm turning there too, let me just uh, tell you that I am so pumped up about these chapters that we're going to be looking at over these next four weeks. You know, just like Stephanie was talking about, we have the opportunity to get away from the washing and the encouraging our kids to wash their hands or whatever it is you do at home, okay? We have the opportunity to get away from that for a couple of hours each week for the next four weeks and just dig into God's Word. And how many of us know that this Word is alive and active? It speaks to us, okay? Jesus is the living word, and he speaks to us. The one who is greater, nobody can do what he does. He is this word, and he uses it to speak to us. And I want to tell each person right now, if the enemy tries to tell you that you're the exception, that you don't know how to hear God's voice, that's going to change tonight, okay? Because God is here, and he wants to speak to you, and you're not the exception, This word is for every person, and God has a word to speak to us. And when we leave here tonight, I don't want you to be thinking about me, thinking about the songs that we sang, any of that, what somebody's shoes look like, or shirt, or this, that, or the other, okay? I want you to be thinking about what Jesus spoke to you tonight, because Jesus speaks through his living word, and I know that he has some things he wants to share with us. Each week, we're going to be looking at a different chapter, so each week, it's really going to stand alone, so come when you can. I know that summertime is crazy, but I hope you'll be able to be here every week, but if you can't, come when you can. And I want you to know the chapters that we've, just, we've chosen for this study are not just randomly chosen chapters, okay? They are some of my favorites, and preparing to teach them here at a Bible study has given me some extra time to just dig into them even more, and I'm just like bursting to share some of the things that God has been showing me. So we're just going to jump right in. I know you've got your Bibles open to Deuteronomy 10, and I want us to talk about where we've landed, okay? Let's just get settled in here to Deuteronomy 10. The book of Deuteronomy is really an amazing book, and it's actually the most quoted of all the books of the Old Testament by Jesus in the New Testament. And actually, the apostles quote that book, the ones that wrote books of the New Testament, quote from the book of Deuteronomy more than any other book of the Old Testament. So it's pretty, pretty important, okay? 
Uh, most of you are probably familiar with the Israelites and their story. Well, pretty much um, the, the book of Deuteronomy is a book of God renewing the Israelites because they had kind of gotten off to a rough start. And even though probably some of us here in this room know their story, we kind of want to get everybody on the same page. And so, and actually Deuteronomy, really the first nine and a half chapters are a review of their story. So we're going to review their story just for a minute to make sure we understand where we're landing when we get to Deuteronomy 10. So God began the nation of Israel with one old man and his wife, okay, and they were childless, Abraham and Sarah. And one night God told Abraham to come outside with him and look up in the heavens. And he said, look up there, Abraham, do you see all those stars in the sky? He said, one day, Abraham, you're going to have descendants as numerous as all those stars. Now that seemed impossible because he was like super old and so was his wife. All right, and that didn't seem like it could happen. Well, how many of us know God does impossible things? And just like God said, when he was even 25 years older, that's when this child was born to he and Sarah, Isaac. And the story began to unfold. Now, many, many years after that, actually hundreds of years after that, the children of Israel were many in number, just like God said, and they were actually enslaved in the land of Egypt which was something else God had told Abraham what happened. Well, God raised up a leader, and we know his name is Moses, and God did some incredible, amazing things through Moses to free the Israelites from under this Egyptian slavery, and he brought them out into the wilderness so that he could lead them to the promised land. That was God's plan. But once they got in the wilderness, they had to fully rely on God for everything. And God was very generous, and he provided again and again. Now, one thing that's really important for us to understand as we approach Deuteronomy 10 is to understand that early on in their journey, God drew near to them to provide some direction and care for them. See, he wasn't just some far-off God just kind of throwing some provisions down their way. He wanted to be near them and relate to them. And as he drew near, he actually called Moses, this leader of the Israelites, up on a mountain, and he wrote down some directions on two tablets of stone. And we know those to be what? The Ten Commandments, right? Okay, we know the Ten Commandments. Now, when this took place, Moses was up on this mountain for a pretty long time. And you know what happened, right? The people got worried. They thought, oh my goodness, where is he? What's going on? I mean, maybe he died up there. Maybe God died up there. I, I don't know what's going on. And so what did they do? They took matters into their own hands, and they just decided, well, I'm going to make my own God, right? And they made a golden cow, and they were going to worship it. Oh, my goodness. How stupid, right? Say stupid with me. Stupid. I don't use that word a lot, but here we need to use it. Stupid we can be sometimes. God was not dead. He's eternal, right? And Moses wasn't dead either. And when Moses came down off that mountain and he saw what the people had done, he was livid. I mean, he had been face to face with God, seeing the glory of God. And he comes down and he's like, you built what? What have you done? Moses was so angry. And you probably know this. What did he do? He took the tablets that God had written on and he threw them on the ground and they shattered and God was pretty furious too. <laughs> In fact, he told Moses, I'm going to destroy these people. <laughs> and Moses was like, God, don't do that. And he, he cried out to the Lord and he begged God, 
please don't destroy them. Don't destroy us. Please continue with us on this journey. Well, God heard the cries of Moses, and he did something fascinating. And you know where we read about it at? Deuteronomy chapter 10, okay? Now, chronologically, what we read about in Deuteronomy 10 actually took place in Exodus chapter 34. So if you start reading in Genesis and you keep going, you're going to hit this story in Exodus 34. But Deuteronomy 10, because it's part of the book of renewal and reviewing for the Israelites, we find Moses is reviewing this story again with a generation who really doesn't know this story because they had been born in the wilderness for the 40 years that they wandered around on their way to the promised land so that they could raise, God could raise up a new generation. So he's telling them this story so that they will understand their history. Now let me tell you, during these 40 years... Some pretty incredible things took place. If you read through, you know, in Exodus, I mean, pretty incredible, amazing things. So much so that it would be very easy to just kind of go right past what we see in Exodus 34 and Deuteronomy 10. Because it doesn't seem real exciting on the surface. In fact, when I told some of our team members that we were going to be doing Deuteronomy 10, they were all like, really? After they looked at it, I, I, don't, I don't see, Sharon. And then they began to dig into it and pray into it. And oh my goodness, God has broken open so much truth to us. And we're going to be talking about this tonight. See, God has revealed Deuteronomy 10 to me kind of like a window, just a small window. If we'll peer through it, if we'll stop and look through it, we can see the heart of our God. And as we see how he related to these people in this story, we can also see his heart for us. And we can also begin to look at our hearts for him as well and see, how is my heart beating for the Lord these days? You know, think about looking through a window. I'm sure that all of us have at one time or another tried to peer through a window to see something. I mean, maybe we wish that we could just throw open the doors of wherever we're at so that we can see the place for all it's worth. Maybe you've been house hunting one day and you say, oh, stop, when your husband's driving by. Let's look at this one, but you can't get in the door, so what do you do? Who has ever climbed over bushes to look in a window of a house, right? Because you want to see what it looks like in there, even though you can't get in. Or maybe you and a friend are out shopping and you see this cute little boutique, but there's a big old clothes sign on the door. So what do you do? You're like looking in, saying, oh, is it, is it worth it to even come back tomorrow to see what's in this store so we could actually go in when it's open? Well, our time together tonight, ladies, is going to be kind of like that. We're not going to be able to see everything about our God in Deuteronomy 10. But it's going to be worth it to climb over the bushes or whatever we have to do to see some things. In other words, it's going to be whatever you had to do to get here tonight. And I know some of you had to really work it to get here tonight, okay? It might feel like climbing over bushes just to get your behind in the seat that you're sitting in right now, all right? But it's going to be worth it because you're going to see some things about your God that are amazing. And once you do, I think you're going to want to go back to him every day. And just be relating to him in a deeper way, in a more meaningful way as you see these things in his heart and you listen to what he longs to see in your heart too. See, for the last several months, ladies, I've just been peering through the window of Deuteronomy 10 more than I ever have before. And God just keeps showing me more and more. And so I just want to share with you what I've been seeing. And we're just going to work our way through it and talk about what we see through this window. So let's read in Deuteronomy 10 verses 1 and 2 to get started. It says, at that time, the Lord said to me, 
Cut out for yourself two tablets of stone like the former ones and come up to me on the mountain and make an ark of wood for yourself. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the former tablets which you shattered and you shall put them in the ark. Moses is telling this new generation of leaders what happened not long after he had shattered the tablets and disciplined the people. He had been so upset with these people. And he just started crying out to God. He was like, God! Have you ever been like that? <laughs> like everything has gone wrong. Like you were just having these great moments with God or in life. And then all of a sudden everything goes wrong. And you're just like, God! Well, how does God respond to Moses crying out to him? Verse 1. He says, cut out for yourself two tablets of stone and come up to me on the mountain and make an ark of wood for yourself. And Moses, I'm going to write it down for you again. So we're looking through this window. What do we see? What does this tell us about our God? Well, it tells us a lot, but one thing is for sure. It tells us that our God is a God of second chances, right? You know, there's just something really sacred about the Ten Commandments. Even people who don't know God, okay, they know what the Ten Commandments are, right? They are the baseline of communication between God and his people. And the Israelites totally disrespected the word of the Lord. See, they could hear the voice of God speaking from the mountain. We find that as we read through this in parts of it. And Moses saw God write these things down on the tablet, and his emotion got the better of him. Has your emotion ever gotten the better of you when God has spoken something to you and you have disregarded the word of the Lord? See, all of us have times where God has been speaking truth to us, and we just totally disregard what he says for one reason or another. But I want to ask you something. If God would give the Israelites And Moses, a second chance with the holy, sacred Ten Commandments. What is it in your life do you think that he won't give you a second chance for? What what is it? Now, keep that thought. And let's also look here because we can see a principle. A lot of times, getting God's revelation for our lives the second time provides more challenge than if we had just listened the first time, right? Over in the book of Exodus in chapter 32, we find that the very first time that God wrote these commandments down, that God himself was the one that cut out the tablets of stone. Now, the second time, who has to cut them out? (laughs) Moses. What does God tell him? Cut out for yourself (laughs) two tablets of stone and then come up to me on the mountain. It's going to be harder this time. And you know what? That's what happens in our lives a lot of times, too. You know, if we would just listen the first time and do what God says and regard his commands and truth in our life as holy, it's a pathway of protection for us, but a lot of times we don't. And so the world is just broken, and sometimes it's just harder to walk through this second chance or third or fourth or fiftieth chance because how many of us know our God is that merciful, right? But it does provide extra challenges. But what we need to see is just because there's a struggle, just because it's hard, that doesn't mean that God's mercy isn't there. The enemy will tell you God doesn't care about you. You blew it this time. You can't have it with him now. But that's not true. And some of us in this room who are walking through the struggle of a second chance with God, we need to see that his mercy is still present, even in the struggle. 
But there's even a lot more here to see just in these first parts. Moses was instructed to make something. And what was it? It was an ark, right? So let's read verse 3. It says, So I made an ark of acacia wood, and I cut out two tablets of stone like the former ones, and I went up on the mountain with the two tablets in my hand. So let's talk about this ark that he made. Have you ever heard of the ark of the covenant? You know, you know what that is, right? And, and the Ark of the Covenant, it's this beautiful ark that's overlaid with gold and cherubim and the presence of God fills it. Is that what this is? No, it's not. It's just a simple, plain box. That's all that this is. Now we find out, if we read in Exodus, when all this originally took place, that the first time that Moses went up on the mountain with God, God had actually told Moses and given instructions for the very beautiful, ornate Ark of the Covenant to be made. But this is not that Ark of the Covenant. God just says, make an Ark of Acacia wood. And there has to be quick obedience. We actually find out that Moses was only given less than 24 hours to cut out these tablets of stone, make the box, and get his behind up on the mountain with God. And let me just tell you, Moses was no young guy at this time either. He was an old man, okay? And so all this is taking place, and there were no power tools, okay? None of those kinds of things. That's all he had time for, less than 24 hours to do all of this and get himself up there. But this is not that ornate ark. This is just a a plain box of acacia wood. But we're told in verse 3, Moses tells us that he did pretty much exactly what God told him to do. And he went up on this mountain, and he was ready to receive from God. And God gave to him. Read verse 4. It says, And he wrote on the tablets like the former writing, The Ten Commandments which the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain, from the midst of the fire on the day of assembly, and the Lord gave them to me. So we're looking through this window still, ladies. I hope you're looking and peering through with me. What do you see? Truth doesn't change, does it? What did God write down? The exact same thing he wrote down the first time, that's exactly what he writes here. God's truth doesn't change. It doesn't matter if it's a second chance or if it's not culturally relevant this time or we need more or this or that or we want to change it. God's truth doesn't change. He writes the exact same things down. But let's not miss this too. Think back when the the people actually made their own God, you know, that golden cap. What was going on in their hearts? What was their issue? They felt all alone, right? Ever felt like that? Ever feel like God has abandoned you and you don't know where he's at? (laughs) That's what they were wondering. Now, that wasn't true, but it was truly how they felt. And so even though the first time God had given directions to build this very ornate ark, one that would have taken a while to build, how does Moses, or how does God respond here? He just has Moses make this plain ark because time was of the essence. He wanted Moses to be able to bring these tablets back down off the mountain and make sure that his presence was represented among the people. Ladies, that is God's mercy. He met these people in their place of need, even though it wasn't even true. Even though they were struggling with something that was a lie, he met them where they were. Now, it wasn't all the glory like God had originally planned. He had planned for his presence to fill this beautiful Ark of the Covenant. And now where is his presence going to land? In a simple box of wood. Does that remind you of another time 
that God drew near to his people in a box of wood? Jesus in a manger? One of the things that's so incredible about Bible study is that everything in this Old Testament points to the new. It points to Jesus. And we'll have to save that for another day, but that's just too incredible not to mention here. God heard the cries of Moses, and he interceded for the people. Moses said, God, we need your presence. And God met them where they were at, in their crying out, in their point of need of saying, God, we feel like you're not here. God said, let me show you that I'm here. I'll put my presence in just a plain old box of wood for you. And he met them where they're at. The God whose truth doesn't change is a God of second chances. And ladies, he does the exact same thing for us. How many times has God met you in his mercy when you do not deserve it? Hallelujah, he has met me so many times. He is the God who is willing to be among us and will meet us where we're at. Now, one of the things that I find so interesting here, it's not about God, it's actually about Moses, but we find it out in verse 5. Moses says that he did as the Lord commanded him. Let's read verse 5. He says, Then I turned and I came down from the mountain, and I put the tablets in the ark which I had made, and there they are as the Lord commanded me. See, everything God told him to do this second time, he did it as the Lord commanded me. Oh, my goodness. Many of us in this room tonight need a second chance with the word of the Lord in our lives. God has been speaking. We just keep doing our own thing. And sometimes our feelings, just like the Israelites, cause us to disregard what God has been saying to us. And we do the stupidest things sometimes, right? Well, tonight as we look through this window, I hope we're seeing our very merciful God might be harder the second time but god's willing he's willing to meet you where you are at with your feelings and your questions to give you directions and a plan to write his truth on the tablets of our hearts we may not get to see as much of his glory at first it might seem like our experience with god as we begin to obey him and do as he commands it might seem as simple as a plain wooden box but god's truth isn't going to change you know if we were to follow this story further we would find out that later god had the children of israel construct that ark like his original plan and they got to put all the gold all over it and the cherubim and the mercy seat and the glory of god filled this ark of the covenant You know what, ladies? We just need to take those first steps, like Moses, and do as the Lord commands me. Pursue that second chance that God gives us, and we know then that our glory will come. It may not come in the moment, but it is coming. God's glory always fills obedient hearts that move and walk with him. Amen. That's right. That's right. You know, as we keep on going, verse 6 and 7, I'm not going to read those. They're basically just some travel logistics there and a couple other things. But then we get to verse 8, and we begin to see something else about our God. See, we've already seen this whole second chance that God offers in his mercy. I hope you see that as you're looking through the window. But we see something else about our God here in verse 8. It says, at that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to serve him, and to bless in his name until this day. 
Ladies, if we will look through this window, we can see the purposes that God has in our own lives. Verse 8 tells us about the tribe of Levi. There were 12 tribes in the, in the uh, nation of Israel, and this was just one of the tribes. And God set apart this tribe because they were going to be the priest. And they were going to carry the Lord's presence, they were going to serve God, and they were going to bless in the Lord's name. But what we have to understand as believers is all of this with Israel is moving toward the fulfillment of this also being true for us in Christ. See, in the New Testament, we're all told that we are all priests. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, you are a priest in his kingdom. And not only that, we're also told once the uh, Ark of the Covenant, once the temple was made, they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple, right? But what are we also told in the New Testament? That we are the temple of God. So understanding that we're priests and then seeing what God is saying to his priests here, we can see what God has in his heart for us as well. Because we are the temple of the Lord. And we are priests unto his name. So look at verse 8 with me. The first thing he says is, At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to do what? To carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord. What does that mean for you and me? Look through the window with me. It means that we are carriers of the presence of God. See, the priests were the ones that literally carried the presence of God. Because the ark held the presence of God. Now, this is one part of God's purpose for us. God wants to be with us, ladies. He does not want us to be like those Israelites down in the valley going, God, where are you? I think you've left me all by myself. I don't feel you today. I don't know where you're at. God is telling us we're priests and we carry his presence. That's part of our purpose. And one of the reasons that is our purpose is because he wants us to know you are never alone. But he also wants us to carry the presence of the Lord because he has great work for us to do in the world. And we get to carry the presence of God into the world. See, we don't just get up every morning, get our coffee, go do whatever it is you do all day after you get a shower, of course. You know, maybe you go to school, maybe you go to work, maybe you're a mom all day, whatever it is you do. Then you come home at the end of the day, you make dinner, you do some laundry, watch a little TV, hang out a little bit with people you love, talk on the phone, get on your Facebook a little bit, go to bed and wake up and repeat. That is not your life. Now that might feel like your life, but you are a carrier of the presence of God. And if you can walk in that truth, that gives such comfort to your own soul to know I'm not alone and these are not just idle moments. I carry the presence of God. What purpose that gives to every single one of those moments. But we're also told the Levites were set apart for something else as well. They were set apart to stand before the Lord to serve him. And as priests to God, we have been set apart to stand before the Lord to serve him. So that when we wake up in the morning, our purpose is, God, I'm here to serve you. I'm not here to go to work, to make a paycheck, to change a diaper, to do 10 loads of laundry that I've been putting off since yesterday or last week or whatever it is. That is not my purpose. My purpose is to stand before God and to serve him. Now, some people look at people who are in full-time ministry and think they're the servants of God. And then I just serve when I go to church and 
fill in my slot or maybe do a little bit of extra work over here, you know, but I'm a nurse or I'm a ballet teacher or I'm a banker or a businesswoman or a mom or, or all these things. But no, you might be those things, but you are a servant of God. You have been set apart to stand before God with your hands open and say, God, what are we going to do today? What, what is this day going to hold? What, what do you have in mind today? Somebody told me one time that you will know that you have really started maturing in your relationship with the Lord is when you wake up first thing in the morning, if your thoughts immediately go to the Lord. <laughs> Took me a long time to get there, and I'm not going to tell you that every day that's exactly where my thoughts go. Because sometimes I wake up and there's a bunch of other stuff right here. You know what I'm talking about? But see, our first thought should be, I'm standing before you, Lord, to serve you. What do you have for me to do today, God? This verse 8, it is so full of life. This is a living word for our generation right now who wander about aimlessly doing a bunch of stuff that can be so futile in our lives, striving after things that really don't have any eternal value. This verse can give us purpose, ladies, of every moment till the end of time that we live here on this earth. Many of you know that I am a big believer in scripture memory. This would be a great verse for you to memorize. In fact, let's just read it out loud together. It says, at that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to serve him and to bless in his name until this day. That's your purpose. Hide that in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit speak that into the idle moments, the moments where you just feel like, what am I here for? Where are you, God? Such truth here. See, the last thing here he tells us in this verse specifically for our purpose is that we are to bless in his name. And you know what, ladies? If we are carrying the presence of the Lord, if we're standing before God to serve him, you're just going to be a blessing to people. You really are. You're going to be a blessing in the Lord's name. To get to go throughout the earth and just be a blessing? I mean, if it's in your hands to be a blessing in the Lord's name, why wouldn't we do that, right? Why wouldn't we do that? My husband and I sometimes talk about how, how easy it is these days to just be a blessing. Like to just respond in an email like that. You, it takes you five seconds, right, to just send out a quick blessing back. Instead of leaving somebody wondering, you know, are you even there? <laughs> you know, I mean, we could just do, 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 do. I mean, blessings are easy today. To just be a blessing in the name of the Lord. It's part of our purpose. It's what God created us for. To go about the earth and bless in his name. Big ways, little ways. I mean, I told you a few minutes ago about how our Haiti team's going to Haiti next week, and they're going to be a huge blessing when they go there and build this bridge in this community. See, we don't even think about bridges. I, I would challenge you tonight on your way home to count the bridges that you go over that you don't even ever pay attention to. In third world countries, they don't have them. So if a river starts raging, they can't get from here to here. Unless maybe they try and many of them drown doing it. Their cows are over here and they live over here. Four months of the year, it's raining. The rivers are high and raging. They'll risk their life to get over there or to go to market or to send their kids to school or whatever it is. So our team's going to go in and be a big blessing. But you know what? The other day, this lady showed up on our doorstep and she had this big old bag. And you know what it was full of? All these little dresses that she and some other women had made 
for our team to take with them to Haiti so that they could bless all the little girls in the community with a new dress. But here's the thing. You know what they were made out of? Pillowcases. And they are the cutest things ever. Pillowcases. I mean, if people can use a pillowcase to bless in his name, what do we have in our hands that we can be a blessing with? You know, the ministries that have really been born in established footsteps, I mean, that's really the heart of the purpose behind them is to just go into these jails, go into Haiti, go into the strip clubs and just be a blessing. Friday night, our cherished team is going to be going into strip clubs and taking little gift bags and hugging on these girls and just blessing in his name. Where in your life can you just go and just be a blessing? I mean, this should be happening multiple times throughout the day because we're just called to be a blessing unto his name. That's part of our purpose as priests unto the Lord. I want to talk to you about a big way that I believe the Lord is calling every woman in this room to be a blessing in his name, and I'm really excited about it. Most of us are pretty aware of uh, women all over the world who are oppressed and burdened, prostituted, trafficked, abused. You know, in our world where information flows so freely, we, we hear these stories all the time, right? We read about them. It's in the media, and our hearts are burdened for these women. Well, you know what? Studies have shown that when a church is present in one of these communities, life really changes for the women. And, and how could it not? Because when the light of the gospel shines, then people begin to see themselves the way that God sees them. So men begin to look at women differently, and the abuse changes, and, and all of these vices begin to subside as the identity of Christ begins to fill up who these women are and the men and how they see them. People begin to see themselves the way Jesus sees them when truth is taught and the light of the gospel shines. Well, God has called us to partner with uh, a ministry called International Cooperating Ministries to build a church in Africa so that we can make a difference for women. And this church is going to have a huge impact. It's going to be in Kenya, and it's going to share the gospel and disciple women. We love uh, ICM, International Cooperating Ministries. We, we've looked into the work that they've done. We've sown into their work before. And we're just amazed at the favor that God has um, had over this ministry over the last 27 years. You might be aware of them. They're actually in Hampton doing phenomenal work all over the world. In the last 27 years, they have built almost 5,000 churches. And they have developed a program called the Mini Bible College that actually teaches the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Full gospel truth, okay? The whole Bible. And it's actually been translated now into 27 languages. And they've created these little things that don't even need electricity so that people can take them and listen to them and be taught this truth. And so when they build a church in one of these communities, they require that church to make a commitment to go through this mini Bible college over a series of years so that this church will really learn truth. And they have just mastered being able to build these churches and really establish them strongly in the name of the Lord. Well, they have come up with an initiative for the women in America, in the American church, and that's us, right? We are the women in the church of Hampton Roads, right? And they have come up with an initiative this year, a challenge they've taken from the Lord that they are calling on women in America who are privileged. You may not feel privileged, but we're very privileged compared to many women all over the world to challenge us to rise up and raise the funds to build 
200 churches this year by March 2015. So Established Footsteps has taken this challenge. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When the Lord first put this in front of me, I thought, oh, that's a great idea. But God, you know we don't have $10,000 to build a church in Africa. We can't do that, God. We don't hardly have anything. You know that, God. Great idea, God. Wow. Wouldn't that be awesome? (laughs) And God began to speak to my heart. He said, Sharon, you don't have $10,000. He said, but you have a voice. He said, and you're going to be talking to probably 500 women four Tuesday nights in July who are my women, and I want them to rise up and be a blessing in my name in this way. We need to raise $10,000 to fund this church in Kenya. And you know what? We could do that. If everyone in this room gave $20, $10,000 right there, and that church would be built. And what a blessing. We won't know till we get to heaven and meet some of these women and their children how God uses us to be a blessing. We're going to be talking about that throughout the Bible study. We'll show you some more footage and some different things, a video. There's actually a table out in the lobby where you can give. And I want to tell you, not one penny of it is going to go to Establish Footsteps or to ICM. Every bit of that $10,000 is going to go to build this church. And for me, it's it's a real um, step of faith to do that as well because I know that when we come together as a ministry and we offer these events for free, that we're counting on you to give to Establish Footsteps as well, right? And so I'm thinking, oh God, but if I ask him to give $10,000 there, they're not going to have any money to give into the offering for Establish Footsteps. And God says, just do what I said as the Lord commanded me. So I'm going to leave that in your hearts. All right? I'm going to leave that in your hearts to take the challenge, and I'm going to be giving into that mission as well, that we might be a blessing unto the Lord. What an easy thing for us to just do. Maybe give up a few Starbucks or not buy those new shoes that we wanted or whatever it is, just to bless in his name. Wow. What a difference we can make as a part of the priesthood. But I could talk about that all night. Let's keep going. Verse 9. Okay? Here we go. Therefore, he says, because this is also about our priesthood, he says, Levi does not have a portion or inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God spoke to him. You know, when God called the tribe of Levi to be his priest, he made sure that he, they knew that he would be their portion. God told them, you're not going to be like your brothers. You're not going to get land like they get and, and all of that. I'm going to be your portion. See, their brothers were looking forward to all of this that they were going to get in the promised land. What are they going to get? They'd heard all these things and God's saying, that's not the way it's going to be for you, okay? He said, I'm going to be your portion. I'm going to be your inheritance. And ladies, I believe the Lord, as we look through this window, realizing who we are, we're priests unto his name, that he wants us to know that he is our portion as well. Oh, has he said that to me so many times, even in what I was just sharing with you about the offering, you know, it takes money for our ministry to function, but I've had to learn the Lord is our portion, and he brings that provision in in many different ways, ways that sometimes I don't even expect, but let's talk about that word portion for a minute, okay? Have you ever been through a line in a buffet? You know, we all know what a buffet is, right? Buffets are very dangerous places, I think. I don't do buffets. I kind of have a rule because I just don't have the self-control to do a buffet. But we all know what a buffet is, right? When you go through a line at a buffet, what do you do? 
You look and you go, ooh, I want that chicken, and I want that piece of steak, and I want that salad, and I want that cupcake, and that cupcake, and that cupcake. That's why I don't do buffets. And then that, and that, and all this, and then you've got this big plate of stuff, right? You, you find the portions that you want in the buffet line, and you grab for them, and you put them on your plate, right? That's what we do. Well, it's the same way in life as well. People walk through life, and they reach for what they want. I want that house. I want that kind of job. I want that kind of relationship. Those friendships. I want, I want that. And I want this. And I want to do this, right? And we're reaching out for what we think is going to be our portion. And here in America, where there's an American dream for it, whoa, we think we get lots and lots of portion, right? But as we look into the heart of God, we see something very different for the priesthood of believers. God calls us not to a lesser portion. He calls us to a greater portion. He calls us to himself. He says here, Levi does not have a portion or inheritance with his brothers. Who is his portion? The Lord. The Lord is his inheritance. And I think that's the way God always planned for it to be. See, even all the way back in the garden, Romans actually talks about in the Garden of Eden, and and it describes what happened there. It says, we began to worship and serve the created things rather than who? Than our creator. We got it all mixed up. God says, I created all that stuff for you to enjoy. I want you to enjoy it, but I am the only one who can fill you up. I am your inheritance. I am your portion. Hold your hands out to me. And see, ladies, what happens is when we're grabbing for our portions, where are our hands? They're focused downward. They're not focused upward. So we can't even really receive the portion that the Lord wants to pour out on us. This summer, we were, earlier this summer, we were at the beach for a week, and I love the beach, and we were, I was sitting there one day, and I'd taken my journal down to the beach, and I was just kind of in a, in a bad mood, you know? It shouldn't happen at the beach, but I was. I was in a bad mood, and I'm just talking to the Lord through this, and I ended up writing something down, and I thought, you know what? This is going to be a marker moment for me, because I wrote down something to the effect of, I need to stop trying to extract life from these moments that are special, And just take them for what they are. Being at the beach is wonderful. And I love being at the beach. But being at the beach is not going to satisfy everything in my heart. (laughs) But sometimes, you know, we can get so excited about a vacation or a new house or a new car or a new relationship or whatever it is. And we think, oh, if I can just get all that worked out, then everything's going to be perfect. And I had built all this up in my mind so much, and yet I was still lacking. Because I was reaching for the wrong thing. See, God wanted me to enjoy the beach. (laughs) He wanted me to be blessed by being at the beach. But I need to learn how to take that beach for what it is. A moment of joy, some moments of happiness, some moments of beauty. But it is not what is going to fill up my soul. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. You know, it's clear that that is God's heart. It's clear that that's God's heart for us as he says this. But you think about Moses here. Moses, it's very clear that he saw God's heart too. Think about Moses. You know what? He grew up in the palace of Egypt. Portions abounded. He could go through the buffet line and take whatever he wanted because they had it all. But you know what Hebrews, the great 
chapter of faith, Hebrews 11 tells us, it says in Hebrews 11 that Moses chose rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. In other words, he would rather have gone through being uh, suffering with the people of God. He saw that as more valuable than taking hold of these passing pleasures of sin. And you know what? As we move on into verse 10, we see that really played out in his life because he had begun to long for the Lord as his portion. As this story goes on, we see this happen. Read verse 10 with me. He says, I moreover stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights like the first time, and the Lord listened to me that time also. The Lord was not willing to destroy you. Moses went up on this mountain the second time for another 40 days. (laughs) Have you ever spent 40 days with God? (laughs) Hard enough to get here for two hours, right? (laughs) Forty days with God the second time. I haven't. I'll just tell you. (laughs) Don't think that about me. I mean, 40 minutes sometimes? But 40 days? Up on the mountain with God? And see, as women, a lot of us think, I don't have time. You know, I can't fit it into my schedule. And it is hard as a woman. I mean, I can remember when my kids were little, just when, and I was seeking the Lord, just praying, God, just give me five minutes before they wake up, okay? So I could just talk to you, you know? And then you'd wake up, and then you hear those feet hit the floor, and you're like, oh, you know? I didn't get it today. And it's hard to fit in all that when you've got little ones around and all these different things clamoring. But Moses went up on the mountain. And what we need to see here is what was going on here. I mean, don't you think Moses was needed down below? <laughs> Chaos had just broken out. Go back and read in Exodus what happened. Moses didn't just shatter those tablets. A lot of other things took place too. And if at any time these people needed Moses to be a leader to them, it was now. But God called Moses up on the mountain and God, Moses didn't say, hey God, could you wait till next week because you know we really need to take care of all this stuff down here first. No, less than 24 hours. He had a lot of work to do to cut out the tablets and, and the ark. And then he goes up on the mountain, and he stays for another 40 days. What does that tell you about Moses? But more importantly, what does that tell you about your God? (laughs) When you look through the window of this story, what do you see? That when you get alone with God, you'll see he's the greater portion. You'll see that those things will just, God will work them out. God will take care of it. Now, I'm not advocating that you leave your children, okay? Um, You know, down there while you go off for 40 days, okay? Don't say that I said that, all right? But there's a principle here, right? There's a principle here. When we get away with God, he is so good. And we behold him and we see his face. And we begin to see how much better of a portion that he is. And you know what was so cool? This verse tells us that God listened to Moses. See, I think Moses stayed up there that long partly because he had a lot to tell God about. (laughs) These crazy people down here that you put me in charge of, God, you need to hear about them. And God listened to him, it says. You know what? God is willing to meet us (laughs) in this drama that's going on. Read verse 11 with me. It says, then the Lord said to me, arise, proceed on your journey ahead of the people that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. I love this too because we see that after Moses poured out his heart to God and God listened to him, 
He brings him all the way back to the same truth he had told him in the very beginning. This is the same thing he had told Moses when he called him at the burning bush before he ever went to Egypt. He said, you're going to take my people to the promised land. So he listened to all the drama, and then he said, arise, Moses. (laughs) Proceed on the journey that I called you to, because this is what I have for you to do. And ladies, God will listen to us, and he'll hear our drama. But again, he's going to speak truth. His truth is not going to change. His word back to us is probably going to be the same word that you've heard him speak before. Because he wants you to do as he is commanding you. It's relationship. Now look at verse 12. There's a tense change here. This is where things shift from Moses telling them what happened to Moses talking to them now in the presence. And he actually says, and now. Now that you know all of this. See, Moses had recounted all of these things because many of them were not even there when all of these things had happened. And he reviewed it because he wanted the people to see what was in God's heart. And tonight, we've gotten to look at these things too. We weren't there, but we've gotten to look at them and think about them and what is God like and what was he doing here. But here's the thing. I want you to think about, we've been looking into God's heart. Now, what if he looks into our heart? What is he going to see on this night? Because, see, this is all about relationship. God wasn't just sitting up on the throne barking down orders. He came down to the people and related to them. And through Christ, that's what he does as well for us. Relationship is an exchange of the heart. So what does God see tonight in our hearts? What's in our hearts? He knows what he wants to see in our hearts. Deuteronomy 10 actually tells us what he wants to see. See, as we read this next verse, the tense is going to shift as Moses begins to talk to the Israelites. He says, and now, Israel, but if you could just hear it this way, and now, put your name in there. Now that you know all this about God's heart for you, what does God want to see in your heart? What does he want to see? Read verses 12 and 13 with me. It says, and now, Israel... What does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. How in the world did Moses know this was in God's heart? You know what? The Bible tells us that over the 40 years, he had spent a lot of time with God, not just the 40 days on the mountain again, Okay, but a lot of moments with God. And I just have to know that God had poured out his heart to Moses about what he wanted to see amongst his people. And now Moses is telling the people and he tells them, you need to fear God. You need to walk in his ways. You need to love him and serve him with all your heart. And you need to keep his commandments. And you know what? It's for your good. It's for your good. (laughs) This year, I've been doing a read through the Bible with my church. And it's been amazing to me as I've been looking through this window of Deuteronomy 10, and then I keep coming across these exact same words. God says them over and over and over again to generation after generation of people. One of the things that we're offering through this Bible study is for you to be able to go home, um, and if you want, you can listen to this teaching again or share it with a friend. It'll be online probably tomorrow. But also, there are some follow-up study materials that you can dig into Deuteronomy 10 a little bit more. And if you'll dig into those and download them for yourself, they're free. Just 
just take them off the website and, and use them. But you'll see some of these verses that I'm talking about where God speaks these same words across generations. That's part of the study. But one of the cool things about Deuteronomy 10 is he speaks them, but then he tells us why. He doesn't always do that in the other places. But here, God says why he wants us to fear him and walk with him and love him and serve him and, and keep his commandments. He tells us why. In verse 14, he tells us, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens. See, he's already told them, hey, it's for your good. But now he's also saying, it all belongs to God anyway. <laughs> everything in the heavens and the highest heavens, everything on the earth and everything that's in it, it's all his. And one of the coolest things right here is if you study this and look through this window long enough, you see in verse 9, Moses had started using a phrase that he's going to use over and over and over again, the Lord your God. See, he wants them to know exactly who their God is. He says, the Lord your God. Your God, everything belongs to him. You know, as people, ladies, we have a tendency to worship and serve created things instead of our creator. And so God wants our hearts to get it. He wants our hearts to connect to this truth. It all belongs to him, and he's our God. But see, many of our hearts don't really get it. We struggle with him being our God. Like the Israelites, we choose other things over him. Many of us don't even understand that we belong to him, that he chose us, but he did. It's all over this book. He chose us. He wants us. In fact, we read it right here in the next verse. That's what it says, verse 15. Yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them, and he chose their descendants after them even you above all peoples, as it is to this day. He says, God chose you. He chose your fathers. He chose their descendants. And now he's choosing you. And you know what? If you follow this story all the way through the Bible, we find that also God clearly extends that choice to us as well through Jesus Christ. God chose them. And through Jesus, God chooses us. That's the message of the gospel. All we have to do, ladies, is say, yes, I want to be chosen. And yes, God, I choose you too. Why wouldn't I? It all belongs to him, including me, including me. He's sovereign over all of it. That's one of the reasons he calls us to have a heart for him. But people don't always get it. And that's why Moses says what he says next in verse 16. He says, circumcise then your hearts and stiffen your necks no more. Bam. Wow. <laughs> what is that? Circumcise your hearts. I mean, most of us know what that word means, but we don't think of it in terms of heart, right? <laughs> well, what, what does that mean? Well, let's go back, okay? Remember Abraham, the old childless man? Well, before he ever had Isaac, his wife had Isaac, God instituted the covenant of circumcision. It was a way of putting a mark on his people, okay? When Abraham was 99 years old, God had him be circumcised. I think it's better to do it when you're eight days old and you don't know what's happening, okay? He was 99, all right? Now, without being too graphic, let's think about what is a circumcision, okay? In a circumcision, there's a cut made into the flesh, right? And then that flesh is folded back, right? I know that's a little graphic, but that's the truth, okay? And it's in the Bible, so follow with me. Now, that happens so that life can flow forth. 
Now, many things in the Word of God happen actually in the natural, but God has a purpose in them to speak to us. They're a picture of something else. And we know that here because he says, circumcise your heart. What he wants us to do is fold back all this flesh that's covering our hearts, to cut it open with the word of God that's the sword of the spirit, to cut through all this junk, all this worldly carnality in our life, and fold it back so his life can flow through. And then he says, stiffen your necks no more. Stiffen your necks no more. Now, what is that? Basically, just a nice way of saying, stop being so stubborn, (laughs) okay? Because here's the thing. A lot of us are so focused on certain things, we can't even turn our head to look through the window and see our God. To see something new about him that we've never seen before because we already think we know everything, right? We get to a place in the Bible and we say, oh, I've read that a hundred times. God, I need something else. And he said, no, you don't. I want you to look at Deuteronomy 10 and see some things about me. Okay? Stiffen your necks no more. Turn your head. And look into the face of your God and see some things about him. In fact, he goes on to say some of these things about him. He says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. He's saying, look at who your God is, people. (laughs) You need to see this. This is what your heart needs to emote about your God. This is who he is. And then he goes on to say, And he doesn't show partiality nor take a bribe. In other words, God is not going to adjust to your plans and your manipulation of him. He wants you to follow him, to humble yourself to him and his truth that doesn't change. If we keep looking, verses 18 and 19 are a specific example for this group of people to see how God calls them to join him. Let me read it for you. It says, he executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and he shows his love for the alien by giving them food and clothing. That's what God does. And then he says in 19, so show your love for the alien, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. In other words, this is what God did. Now you do the same. And God speaks the same kinds of things to us, ladies. We read about the acts that he does throughout the earth when Jesus was on the earth, and we're supposed to follow likewise, right? We, we walk in his redemptive plans because our heart beats for him and beats alongside of his. He wants our hearts to be guided by the things that he does. Now keep looking with me because this next verse, as we keep looking through the window, we see these longings expressed again. He says, you shall Fear the Lord your God. Fear him. In other words, stand in awe and reverence to who the Lord your God is. Here's the thing, ladies. You know what? So many women are bound up in fear. Even women in the church, bound up in fear. You know why? If we don't fear God and understand that he's over it all and sovereign over it all, we're going to fear everything else. God knows it's for our good. Remember verse 13? These commandments and statutes are for your good. It's for our good to fear him. If not, we're going to fear everything else. We shall serve the Lord our God. If we are not serving him, everything else we're doing is futile. It's not going to last. It might make a difference today, but is it going to make a difference for eternity? 
Serve the Lord your God. Stand before him to serve him. Cling to him, he says. Cling. I mean, that is a tight thing. You know, are you clinging to God tonight? Are you holding on to him with all that you are? And then he says, swear by his name. In other words, put all your stakes in on God. I mean, it's all on you, God. Everything I got, God. I'm swearing by your name. See, these people that Moses is talking to, these were the people that had made a golden calf to be their God. (laughs) And this is who their God really is. See, we might think, how stupid is that? And yet we do the same things. Because when we can't see our God, we often will try to make our own God, right? Or we'll try to grab onto somebody else's God. But God is saying, I want you to see me. Look into my heart. I want your heart to respond to who I really am. Fear me, serve me, cling to me, swear by me. It's for your good. Read verse 21 with me. We're we're closing this out. He says, he is your praise. He is your God. In other words, nothing good is going to come into your life unless it's from him. He is your praise. He is your God. Are you grabbing hold of him as he's my God? He's already done. He says he's already done all these great and awesome things for you which your eyes have seen. Look at who he is. He's calling these people to remember all of the things that God has been doing over these 40 years, taking care of them. And I think he's calling us tonight to remember, look at all the things your God has done in your life. Look. And I love verse 22. It's a, it's a great visual. God is a great teacher He says, your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons in all. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. And see, that's what he told Abraham, right? When he took him out there on that night and he said, look up here, Abraham. Your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars of heaven. And now he tells his people, look around you. There was only 70 of you. When when your fathers went to Egypt and then later became enslaved, look how many there are of you. Now, I always do what I say I'm going to do. The word of God tells us that not one promise, it actually says this, not one promise that God made to the Israelites failed to pass. God does what he says he's going to do. Ladies, what have you seen about your God tonight? You look through the window of Deuteronomy 10, what are you seeing? The Lord, your God. You know, he has some things in his heart that are so touching have you seen his heart and what about what he sees in your heart how does it line up with what he says here you know some of us need a second chance some of us have been making our own gods some of us need a touch of his mercy that we see in god's heart For some of us, this is confirmation of truth. You're like, I believe this about you, God, and I have been getting up in the morning and going, God, what are we going to do today? And I love this because, man, it's exactly where I'm at with you, God. This is so good. And you're just like celebrating in your seat right there. Some of you, tonight could be the very first time that you say, God, you chose me. I I want to be chosen. Some of us need to hear God speak truth to us again. He's already said it, but we need him to write it on our hearts again. Some of us, our hands are just reaching out to the world, trying to find our portions here. God's our portion, ladies. I know that many of us are so caught up in our own purposes that we've just 
not even thought about the purposes of God for maybe a while now. Some of us need to do just as the Lord has commanded me to do and get up on the mountain with God and pour out our hearts to him and listen to whatever he wants to write on our hearts. We need to cry out to him and say, God, circumcise my heart because there is so much flesh around this. I don't even know what you're saying sometimes, God. I want to turn my my neck and just look at you, God. It's been a while and I need to do that tonight. You know, thousands of years ago, Moses spoke the word in Deuteronomy 10 to a people in the Middle Eastern desert. And I believe tonight God is speaking the same word to us here as well. He did that for them. He spoke it to them to get them ready for a move of God, (laughs) a great move of God. He was getting ready to take them into the promised land. And tonight, ladies, I believe he wants to do something great in us, in us and through us. You know, we don't have a mountain for anyone to go up on here in this room, but we got space, right? (laughs) We got some time. We got time. You get home and you probably won't have time Things are going to battle for your attention. But we've got time right now and space. All across the front, all over this room, we've got time and space. And I'm going to call up. We have some prayer warriors who have been praying over you before you ever came. I'm going to call them to come and get in place. And 